I, I, you ever have that where you like wake up and you're just like, uh, I know I'm supposed to do something today, but I don't remember what it is. And then eventually you come to the point where it happens so often that you just accept that every day you wake up like, yeah, there's something I'm probably somewhat at least semi-important that I'm going to forget to do. That's why I got to like write everything down. Yeah. I take like a ridiculous I have noticed. Of Here's an interesting thing. And I have a question for you. What do you think? When you like need to make a note or something, do you put it in your phone or do you write it down physically? Honestly, typically I just go for whatever is quickest so I don't forget it. But I okay. typically like to okay. write things down preferred and then retransfer yeah. it digitally. So I get kind of like that best of both worlds. I, I feel okay. like I don't right. have retention with typing. But if I write something down, I remember it. But digital notes are much easier to use. So it's like I feel like doing yeah. it both ways tends to help me the most. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm the same way. At least I definitely write things down because like you said, that definitely, I don't know, maybe I'm old school, but it, it I don't know, it builds like a mental pathway. And I mostly, I mostly write in, in a cursive too. Do you still do cursive? No. Besides like when you're signing something? Mine is like a horribly illegible chicken scratch nice. so that the only people who could ever possibly maybe read it is me. Yep. I, I remember a couple of buds tried to steal one of my notebooks and produce one of my script ideas <laughs> They just gave it back to me because they're like, we can't read this. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's like a, that's like, a, isn't that, isn't that what happened? Isn't that like a Dan Aykroyd thing where like he handed, I've heard the story where like he handed, I was it either the Ghostbusters script or the Blues Brothers script I think it was Blues Brothers, actually. I do kind of remember like, this. Couldn't read it or it was like this long manifesto <laughs> and, oh shoot, I forget who it was now who had, they had to bring in to, was it Landis? Was it John Landis to come in and like your guess is sort of clean that mine. up, to script doctor it up? script doc yeah i don't know that's a good question i, I think i think that's who it was don't if it, it, ladies and gentlemen and people of the world and audience if i am wrong on that please don't come after me oh they're coming after okay. you. Um, <laughs> they're just, coming after you. oh man get in the bunker dude i'm just going off of memory this is why you know, these are not this is the why you that take notes time and you prepare research. but this was not a preparation this was just a natural you know in thing i didn't know we were going to talk about cursive and people stealing your scripts in the court of public opinion you're not going to be able to defend that one see that's see, that's the thing about the court of public public opinion the opinion is always public <laughs> but what about you what's 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 new with you i just made a mess that's what's new with me but yeah, you, you 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 re you rearranged your whole setup there. Yeah, re gearing. I'm actually partially because of the show. I'm trying to make it a better space for us to record in. Yeah, you you getting that 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 feng shui. You have a feng shui room. Yeah, I don't know about shui, but it's feng something. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully a little cleaner, a little more efficient. You know, these are the goals. That, that's a good goal to have. So, you, how's the, how's the Christmas shopping going? Uh, I still got a lot to do. Still got a lot to do, and. I it's yeah. coming down to it, isn't it? We're like, yeah. what, two and a half weeks out? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think so. I, I shipped a lot this year. This was a very FedEx, Amazon Christmas. Man, that's another thing that's different, too, with, with Christmas shopping. Well, and you finally got your shirt from last year. Yeah, I got my Griswold shirt that I, I didn't get. To, they, uh -huh. they, they got to me like January 2nd last year. <laughs> and I was like, gee, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look like an idiot. What do you got for us today? This, this you you got you got something here. Ooh, okay. Got the helm. Uh, why do I have? A, I should never have. Yeah, I figured. Uh -uh. I figured it is the Christmas season. We might as well get on our high horses and make a defense mm -hmm. of Die Hard being a Christmas movie because damn it, it is. Oh yes, 
It is one hundred percent. I will a Christmas die movie. on that hill. I absolutely. I actually, my dad and I fight pretty consistently on this. He avidly says that it is. Oh, is your dad? Is your dad? I'm assuming then the opposite. Yeah. Then he says it's not a Christmas movie. Yeah. He gets he gets argumentative whenever I. Yeah. It it stirs it stirs the holiday season whenever I say Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But to anyone who would say that it isn't, I can see some of the arguments, though I vastly disagree. I just think the arguments are like you just you're not looking deep enough then into the yeah, story exactly. and like i mean it's it's i mean it's everywhere now credit it is a, a christmas movie you can watch anytime but i prefer to watch it around christmas it it, it is a christmas movie that is also on other levels other which isn't always mm-hmm. the case which is also why some people take hard stabs not being the case but i think one of the biggest things is everybody always says oh there's no snow it doesn't have the christmas feeling well there's no snow in california <laughs> so what do you want? Yeah, yeah, what yeah, exactly. Well what's I'm trying to think of what's the other what's that one Christmas movie? There I swear there's one with well anyway. I just heard in my head that line in Home Alone where he's trying to buy the toothbrush and the, the store yeah. clerk very seriously says, I don't know. That's just <laughs> I don't know why that popped in. I don't know. I don't know. By that same token, since I bring that up, if Home mm-hmm. Alone is a Christmas movie, which is basically a kid terrorizing two yeah. criminals, I mean, like, it's it's in a similar... Like, I get that the Christmas atmosphere is a little thicker laid on in Home Alone, but overall, yeah. it is like an, a kid quirky action story with Christmas as the backdrop. It's like, well, yeah. it's the same thing in my mind. I would... Ar- you could even argue... I would even make the argument, and this is probably exactly what you said. I'm just going to say it again, but in a different way. Go for it. I would make the argument that Home Alone and Die Hard are almost the same movie. It's just Die Hard's the adult version. Home Alone. Home Alone is the kids version or the family friendly version of Die Hard. Home Alone is like Ferris Bueller and Die Hard wound up in a blender. Yes. No, that is because they both have that 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 similar event structure going on. I do. uh, I did rewatch Die Hard for this specifically because I wanted to spark as many Mm -hmm. little things as I could find. And there was a very. I live Die Hard. I live and breathe. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. One of the early quotes that really sparked me, and I was surprised by this because I don't think I had like really caught this. I hadn't really been looking deep into the layers of Die Hard specifically for the Christmas movie vibe. I always just do it kind of like a laughable, almost rebellious to people who say it's not a Christmas movie. I watch it. Mm -hmm. But this time I was watching specifically for things and I, I caught a quote right when he meets up with Argyle Argyle says this is Christmas music and it's he's playing like the hip hop version of Jingle Bells oh yeah yeah and I was like oh well that's just like the ultimate self-awareness that this movie knows that it's a Christmas movie. Yep. For me, for me, that's that that was like a direct signal to the audience. No, that's like that because there's a point right off the bat. There's something where you could cut that out. You could cut that little scene yeah. out, and like if especially if you're trying to crunch, wouldn't for time. suffer greatly from it. But it is it definitely aids in being there, and that is I, I think that I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That is literally their way of saying no. This is a this is a Christmas movie. That you put on some Christmas music. This is Christmas music. It's not any just one little thing. It's like there's a each sequence throughout the course of the film has either a visual or auditory like s- reminder that you are mm-hmm. at Christmas time. Almost every sequence. There may be one or two that don't, but I would say nine out of ten throughout the course of the film have some form of yeah. visual or auditory cue. 
to remind you of Christmas. Yeah, well, think too. Like, okay, even so, the very, very first scene, John McClane on the plane. Yeah. And he's talking to the guy. And I, I still always love when the guy's like telling him because apparently he, he has fear of flying. What an, what an interesting way to, to introduce your action hero. Yeah, the, and to directly give you a flaw. Immediately put him in a vulnerable state showing that he doesn't like to fly. And he has, you clearly tell he's almost on the verge of a panic attack. Yeah. Because he is like gripping the side of the, the seat the arm armrest and then the guy next to him is like hey you know what you do you you go when you're done you get off the plane you go somewhere with a i think he's like a nice carpet or something yeah. take off your socks and make fists with your toes <laughs> which comes back huge later on in the story again another part th- th- let me just let me just get this out of the way real quick this is one of the most Solid written scripts out there. I would agree. If I were like teaching a, a plant and payoff, if I'm going back to like Chekhov's gun, this is another great example of everything in here. Every little piece. One of the first screenwriting courses I ever took, I think it was like the third class of the course we did Die Hard. We just sat for like two whole hours and broke down Die Hard. Mm-hmm. I had watched Die Hard a million times before that, but then it was like, oh, once you start breaking it down from an analytical standpoint, it gets even better because you realize how thoroughly to the core wealth thought out it yeah no absolutely you get you get everything from us is it violent absolutely is the violence necessary absolutely is there a reason (laughs) you're gonna say absolutely not (laughs) reason for me to keep talking about this absolutely yes (laughs) what what i was gonna say before how many movies christmas movies or stories have the thing with you're on an airplane or you're in an airport or you're trying to fly somewhere that that sense of travel look back at planes trains and automobiles the simple journey of wanting to go home yeah there it is we start off right familiar territory he's on the plane traveling traveling is a huge part of the holidays and of course like i said that that opening intro of showing our main hero right off the bat in a vulnerable situation. Just, 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 so just kiss right well, there. Well, also, because, like, you want to give that mixed bag of seeing your, especially in an action piece, seeing the strengths of your hero, but, like, once you start throwing flaws into the mix, you give that, you amp up every risk, you amp up every tension, because they aren't perfect. They could potentially make a mistake. Yeah, no, exactly. Right off the bat, what's going on. And it's, it's, it's highly, again, it's highly visual. It is showing you, not telling you which is one of the big things when it comes to filmmaking. And it has some damn good one-liners. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) My favorite is in the boardroom (laughs) whenever... The one henchman's chasing him. He's standing on the table and chasing him down. And he's like, next time, next time you have a chance, <laughs> next time to, you kill get s- chance to kill somebody, <laughs> don't hesitate. <laughs> and, and he, McLean immediately just guns him down. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> and what, like, the, 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 let's, ah, we're just going to be all over the place with this. I don't this care. probably isn't going to have any structure. I'm fine with it. It's Die Hard. We're just basically just going to geek out here on Die Hard. So, but I'll, I'll try to at least hit all the points we, we want to hit. Yeah. But I don't think there's going to be any order to it. So bear with us on this one. Let's talk about, it's an action movie too. There's action in it. Oh, for sure. For but sure. it is a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie with action. Well, lots of violence. To, to your point, and, let's and let's some, give this some structure. Let's dig in and like really nail down why. And it's re- okay. we've both said before. It is that background story, that redemption of the family tale, where John mm-hmm. and Holly are rebuilding their marriage. On the other end of it, it's there is another redemption story with Al, who had a bad situation yeah. where he's not the full cop he's supposed to be. He's on the verge of starting a family himself. 
itself, but he feels that he's somewhat lost his edge as a cop. He accidentally shot a kid mm-hmm. when he shouldn't have, and he gets his full redemption arc through the end, through the fu- like the final big moment of the film, which I think is really cool for a side character to get the penalty. Yeah. And John's whole redemption story, I mean, there, there's a lot of... Holly, when they first meet up, like right before John walks in the room, she's she d- makes a direct reference to herself being Ebenezer Scrooge. So there's, there's like a lot mm-hmm. of little Christmassy kind of layers to it that aren't can be overlooked in the course of a big action piece. But they do add up to the sum of creating the thematic patchwork. No, and even using when Hans Gruber and the terrorists first enter the Nakatomi Plaza Tower. Yeah. I don't know if anyone ever catches it. It plays to full crescendo when they open the vault, but I believe they're playing Ode to Joy, Beethoven's Ode to Joy, in much more, like much, much more, I'm not not musically intelligent enough to put, how to put this, but the, the chords, the notes that they're using are much longer, more bass tones, and it's there the whole time playing through a lot of Hans Gruber's appearances and if you hear it it's meant to be that joyful joyful we and here it is going like almost like in like a darth vader-esque way (laughs) as hans gruber is every time he talks or is in a scene it's kind of there hauntingly it's it's just amazing even that the score for an action movie because usually an action movie you don't think about the scores or the music that's going on in the background but not at least not all the time also they they even have hans humming it at several points of the film which i thought was like they really tie it they tie it to his story arc which is awesome. I just would want to say like this is something I hear a lot around Christmas uh, is the point I was driving at. Ode to Joy. That new movie, that new John Woo movie coming out, Silent Night yeah. very much feels like a diehard uh-huh. ripoff just from the trailer. I haven't seen it yet. Judgment Reserved. Okay. But I mean the whole trailer is just Joel Kinnaman in the new John Woo right. movie, Silent Night. Mm-hmm. The whole trailer goes through with him just being a badass to Ode to Joy and it gave yeah. me very hardcore diehard vibes. It felt like diehard John Wick. No. Yeah, and I was trying to look up if Ode to Joy had any particular, again, I'm not a classically music musically trained. I was like, when Beethoven was composing that, what was like the inspiration or behind it? But anyway, yes, that, of course, it's huge. And when we're talking about, you were saying the redemption story, it it has that, that similar structure to, uh, you look at It's a Wonderful Life yeah. with Stuart and his story of, which is considered one of the best Christmas films out there. And it has that similar thing. You have this working man and his family, and it's like that choice between power, wealth, or what's really important in Christmas. Family. Um, and, that, and that's those around, yeah, those around you. It's about family. Really? It is really, honestly, Die Hard really is just about family because John's whole motivation Mm -hmm. for protecting these people is to keep Holly safe. I don't think he would go to quite such extremes to stop this situation if... Holly weren't in immediate danger. Yeah. But yes, no, we, I, this is almost one of those movies where like you almost have to have someone sit down with you and you begin to point out all the things that work about it. So why don't we, you, we just, you just watched it. You said you watched it very recently, yes, right? Yes, I just watched it. Yeah. So let's, let's go through. We were at, we were on the plane and so he meets the guy, fist with your toes, you take your socks off and he's, and they're about to depart taxiing on the tarmac. Yes. And I remember he, what does he say? The guy, I can't remember now what the guy says to him. I've been doing this for so many years. It's better than something in a I'm cup a, of coffee. Can't remember the full line. Yeah. 
But then they get up. John John McClane gets up, and let let me just say, Bruce Willis is John McClane. John oh, McClane is Bruce Willis. Like, synonymous. I, I just in my mind, I can't picture anyone else playing that role. And I don't know if he was originally picked for that. I think it was kind of know. a Michael J. Fox situation, wasn't it? Oh yeah, I want to want to look this up. Now. Like it wasn't. He had like a commitment to an to a television show around the same time, so it was like dodgy with his schedule. Yeah, if memory serves, I, I don't know that for hundred percent, but uh, I believe. That. Well, yeah, he was known for for moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd at the time. Yeah, he was more, he was more of like a sitcom. Schwarzenegger. That's a, yeah. There we go. Guy. Schwarzenegger was offered the role. Interesting. And he turned it down. And in fact, he turned it down because he wanted to branch out. He had done so many comedy or not comedy, so many action films that he wanted to branch out into comedy. And he actually turned it down to star in Twins, which in and of itself, I, is a, this is, is a is vast <laughs> sidetrack. But one of my favorite stories from Twins was from Charlie Day actually who heard it from DeVito on It's Always Sunny and the have you heard that cocaine story? No, I have not. <laughs> it's just Go ahead cuz this is part this fits in because Ellis is doing cocaine yeah. and Die Hard so it works. <laughs> it's all about Christmas. It's all about cocaine and Christmas. It's really about it's about family. <laughs> but Charlie Day told this story <laughs> as like <laughs> DeVito and Schwarzenegger are walking into this like crazy Hollywood party. Like <laughs> they have everybody's names spelled out in cocaine on these tables. And he said, what? and he said that Schwarzenegger's eyes lit up like Christmas because he's like, look, Danny, look how big my name is. <laughs> Holy hell. That was the eighties. It was the eighties. Now I'm just going to anyway. All right. But back to what we were talking about, that brings up a point I did want to touch on is so that Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally offered this role, turned it down. And I think I don't know, knocked Arnold Schwarzenegger, but thank God he did. Yeah. Because going back to that original shot, you're showing John McClane in that vulnerable position. I don't know if that would have translated as well with someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger. In the 80s, you have these big superhero, macho, invincible warriors. You look at you look at like Conan, Sylvester Stallone, going with all that. They were just you couldn't you couldn't like they never got tired. They never got beaten down. Yeah. Like even if they did get hurt, it looked awesome on them or it looked like it was supposed to be there. This was definitely testosterone and fueled action yeah die hard is not in the sense i mean the, the the testosterone like is still there it is but but it's not the root of everything. having no yeah having a much more vulnerable hero that bruce willis brings to this is one of the main reasons i think it's a christmas movie because without that quality without that concept i, I don't think this movie hits as well at least not for me bruce willis's performance and using to have a much more everyman character of John McClane. But you think about this, the one of the final one of the ending shots and we'll get to that due to the 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 main climax. I mean, he is beat to hell. Completely. Like just when, totally when bleeding to and and that's and that was a risk too at the time to to show a more vulnerable hero. Yeah, in an action movie, a Christmas act, a Christmas movie with action. I got to make sure I say that. There's a, there's a lot of undermining my whole argument here. Yeah, there's a lot of risks in this one, and not to because it was at the time it wasn't quite what was popular at the time or not what people were expecting. And to actually say we're going to go out on a limb here and we're going to give a care a hero the action star more room to grow. He's not going to know everything. He's not going to be badass. He's going to be fumbling. He's going to be stumbling. He's kind of just making this whole thing up as he goes and the really he's bad guys are completely organized and on top of everything yeah have a, have a conceivable outcome for every potential scenario that's seeming seemingly thrown at them 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, no, it is absolutely. a very different, risky, interesting concoction of action elements. Yeah, and I think that's one thing to think about when you're writing a story. And I brought this one up before. Orson Scott Card's Characters and Viewpoint, another book. I'll plug it again. This doesn't count for the other rule we had last time. I'm bringing up study material. I can bring that up as many times as I want. But I can't mention those other movies. Well... That's still withstanding. That's up, that's up to you. I, I don't know if we... If you want me to keep a keep the chains on you for no, that I want to keep it going. I want to I want to make sure I can go at least a couple episodes, at least until twenty twenty four. Anyway, I picture the but yeah, he talks about the how. Well, go ahead. I was gonna say the the Mar- you have the Marley brother chains on you and you're ghosty. <laughs> that's that's my that's my after hours Christmas costume. <laughs> <laughs> so yes but the point i just wanted to make is that he talks about in that when you're writing characters that he can say that the the taste of the audience the what's what's in or what people want to see it moves like a pendulum and you'll have it where depending on how life is if life is is good people tend to want to maybe see more grittier characters they want something different from what they want like the more john mcclain everyday man yeah and then when life sometimes gets bad people want more escape and they want more the ideological supermen or women or persons an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a, a Superman, exactly his character, the superheroes. I think that's, I think that's one of the reasons, well, that's one of the reasons why we like superheroes so much yeah. too, is because they're that fantasy element. And it, it kind of goes back and forth. That pendulum goes back and forth just as, as we go through the eras and the ages and we continue the march of civilization. But that's always, I think, a, a key thing you want to ask yourself, what kind of character is going to fit in this story to make it best? And when it comes to Die Hard, I'm so glad they went with what they did. Yeah. I mean, it- the everyman fits into the Christmas story, but also I think tends to be more relatable to an audience, yeah. especially in, I think that this one could be argued a little bit that you take the everyman and push him to his complete absolute limits of what is mm-hmm. even physically possible. Yeah. And it's not to say that there are some things in this that it's like, Ooh, could you, could you survive that? Eh, probably not. It, it probably just not. pushes <laughs> it to that, that Hollywood cinematic point to where you're still getting the entertainment factor, but it's not taking it like John McClane is ne- never is holding two rocket launchers and a and a minigun and just mowing all the bad guys down. He's always coming from a he's always working from a disadvantage in some aspect of this story. Speaking of Terminator 2, it does have a very interesting set of diehard. I will call them homages even though they feel like they possibly could be mm-hmm. a little bit stolen. The clean room uh, in Cyberdyne is like definitely a reference to the one office structure where the, all the glass shoot the glass. Oh yes, the famous scene. Yeah. Hey, hey, what's he saying, German? I, I never. <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but yeah. Hinched him, finched him. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And and Carl is just dumbfounded, looking at. He's like, what? And he's like, and he has to say it in English. Shoot, shoot the glass. The glass. <laughs> so good but yeah i i've always like i like i caught that connection like a long time ago and i was like whoa and it kind of blew my hair back and i was like i was like oh, they're, they're, somebody loves die hard <laughs> like a lot and it turned out it's yeah. james cameron so if we're looking at that scene i'm saying okay he gets off the plane and then he's in the in the airport and every every like woman that he goes that he's like near not every woman but he's in california and like every woman looks like they're a supermodel yeah. around him at least the couple that he sees and I still I say this a lot, especially when I was out in California. His his line when he's like, "Geez, 
in California. <laughs> yeah, the, the one guy grabs him and kisses him at the party. Yeah, he's like, hey, Merry Christmas. <laughs> of course, he's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> That's Al Leng. Into it. Plays oh, okay. one of the henchmen, and he is like a through line through like the late eighties, early nineties of, mm-hmm. of like bad guy action henchmen. <laughs> and I'm so glad that he's in this. He has a great little <laughs> moment where they're like fortifying the lobby of Nakatomi, and he steals a crunch mm-hmm. bar, and he's like hiding behind the thing, eating a crunch bar, and it's like one of my favorite moments. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so many little things in this as you rewatch that I forget to pick up on, or I, I have to remind myself when I see it again when he walks into the party what i always love that opening shot to when he walks in out of the elevator and how i think it's like is it is i would say is that almost like a steady cam kind of shot that they're doing as they're following him around wait when specifically it's in the opening or maybe it's not him they're following maybe it's takagi that they're following i think that they are following takagi and it's like oh yeah and then they and then it might be a crane shot and then they come down onto holly as she comes out and you kind of realize that one of the things the two of them have in common, John and Holly, is even though John is, well, obviously they're estranged right now, they're in the middle of a fight, he's the cop, and when the building gets taken over by terrorists, he's going to do his job, even though he doesn't really have to, but he's going to do it. He's a New York and cop then you see out Holly, of water. He's the fish out of water, literally. Yeah, he's the fish out of water. He's a cop from New York in L.A., and then, of course, in the second one, he's a cop from L.A. and D.C. And then the third uh, one, he's finally in, funny. a New York cop in New York, but he wakes up on, in a hangover and Yes. Drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Again, he's always working with a disadvantage. Yes. But I always like that's a little, just a little thing. When you introduce Holly, she's coming out of the elevator, looking through papers and she goes into her office and tells her secretary, Hey, I forget the secretary's name, but she's pregnant. Go, go enjoy the party. I'll, I got this. So that right there is just a little clue how these two are both hard workers and that they don't, they're both independent. Mm-hmm. Just a little, little detail that you can miss but or that consciously you can miss but your your subconscious you're picking up on that Not- and i always find that because you what you could introduce her any other way she could just be there you could have the scene instead of following takagi you could have it be that you're following her the whole time yeah do the thing but i think just the way they shot it and have her come out well also it presents um, you with a sense of how not of a bad guy takagi is and it's like when he yeah finally dies you have some emotional weight with that we're like oh i don't want that dude to die he was like yeah. so nice he was he sent john a limo he was overly nice to somebody who doesn't even work with or work for him but he's, mm. he's still trying to make everybody at the party happy yeah there's there's i, I think it's yeah. like well a lot of well thought out angles there like stuff like that mm-hmm. another thing i completely forgot of i was mentioning endo before the guy who one of the two guys who bring up the launcher to take out the as they put it the cops have an RV. Oh yeah, the the car sending the car. Yeah, and one one of the guys who fires off the <laughs> rocket launcher is Vigo in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, he is Vigo. He's Vigo. <laughs> you are like, like the buzzing, buzzing of flies, flies to him. him. <laughs> so good. <laughs> he is. So t- oh, but I woo another another. Oh God, he is Vigo for another time. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, no, that was another thing that, that when they send in that RV, that like SWAT tank yeah, to sort of get through the door, <laughs> I always laugh at the way the one guy says, the, the captain of the police is like, no, we got, we got, we got to pull him back. And then the guy on the headset, I guess like the SWAT team leader, yeah. he's like, almost in, almost in. And he's like, send in the car, send in the car. <laughs> it's just the way he says it. It's so, it's just so like, right in that same know, sequence too, stupid, you have, but, and the quarterback is toast. Toast. Yeah. I mean, so this many is a good, quotable movie. So many sure. good lines. Like everyone's performance in this 
is I I just love. Yeah, Down I, I, to I can't even, think uh, there's not a bad one in it. Speaking of Ghostbusters references, it's not it's not Walter Peck. That's oh yeah, that's right. There's they got the a dual connection actor. there. You're right. Yeah, he's the reporter and he's fishing for a story. Dude plays the greatest his pieces of in eighties history. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, absolutely. But he's so good at it. And like when he's like trying to get the get a truck from the news van and just how he like pushes his way to it through it. <laughs> just I love how they're like on. They're about to go live and his coworker, the the anchor of the news program. I forget what he says to him, but he just turns around and says, eat it, Harvey. <laughs> and Harvey just, Harvey, you're live. <laughs> well, I mean, also him and his, his part alone in real genius. Yes. Is that popcorn? I hate popcorn. <laughs> Is that popcorn? No, I hate popcorn. Get that away from me. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's great. I love him. Yeah. But yes, that opening. I saw I dragged I us think... like crazy on there. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, no. I think, too, like, you also notice, too, that when John goes to look for Holly, which here is one thing that I would think, maybe you can explain this to me. It's just a little moment if I had to, like, critique. This is more a critique, but more just me being stupid. When John first enters the building and there's the gentleman at the front desk, the security guard, Mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, just type the name in the console here, the computer. And he types it in, can't find find her under McLean, and finds that she's using her maiden name, Gennaro. And he's and he says, oh, yeah, take the floor all the way up. They're the only ones left in the building is what the security guard says. That was always weird to me. I always thought, well, if they're the only ones left in the building. Yeah. And this guy comes in and says he's look. I guess maybe that's the protocol. You have to do it. But I've always wondered that. Well, couldn't he have just said, oh, you're here for the party? Yeah, you just want to go straight up. But maybe that's more the policy of the building. Well, it's also it's kind of setting the tone that she like works for a big, expensive company. And like it's, it's yeah. kind of setting her status as much as anything. Also, like setting yeah. the setting the scene no, for how high tech of a building this whole film takes place in. So I, I mm-hmm. think there, there's a lot. Go- like, yeah, it's a little thickly laid on, but I think that there's a lot of intended setup. And that's that's me nitpicking there. Like, I, I still don't mind the interaction that happens. I've always just yeah. been like, mm, but yeah. So he goes up, and of course, when he gets there. <laughs> And he meets her boss, Takagi, and then they go into her office and there's Ellis doing cocaine <laughs> as he's trying to hide it. Yeah, and it's like of, painfully, I it's Holly's like desk. American psycho level obvious. <laughs> yeah, he's like, huh, I was just trying to, was just looking at something, going over the numbers. And even John catches him and he's like, he's like, you missed some <laughs> as, he's looking at, as he walks on the other side. And big moment here, big moment here. Okay, this is one of my, I'm going to skip to the ending too a little bit, but big moment here, little thing, another plant and payoff. You have Ellis says, uh, show him the watch in his like just swarmy yeah. way that he is. Show he him has the watch. That, like, what are you scared of it? Show him the watch. Show him the watch. It's like that that Star Wars Empire level snobbery that you just yeah. Hate no. this dude. <laughs> yeah. No. Once again, another great performance. Because I do every time I see him, I'm like, God, you are you are a dick. Just go away. Um, <laughs> yeah. And clearly, I guess there's supposed to be like that hint that like he's trying to move in on Holly or something. But oh, it's yeah. He gives John, him the role. John acknowledges that he's like he's got his eye on you. Yeah. Exactly. And the watch that they get him, I think it is a Rolex, right? Oh yeah. They they mentioned it. that it's a Rolex. Yeah. Well, one of the big she she puts the watch on. Oh no, she has the watch on already. I think, yeah. One of the great things I think I love about this movie, the imagery, the setting up and the payoff, that watch comes back into play at the very last, one of the very last moments, the climax 
of the movie where Hans Gruber, once again played by Alan Rickman, the incredible Alan Rickman, beautifully so. to his performance as well. Well, also, in addition to being a Christmas movie, Die Hard is also a Harry Potter movie <laughs> because it's, yes, because as it, well because it's about a man navigating a tower being chased around by Alan Rickman in the night. <laughs> yes, while at Christmas. While at Christmas, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure they celebrate Christmas in Harry Potter. A lot. It's it's borderline a Christmas movie itself. It's, it is. So what I was going to say, though, is at that climax scene, when Hans is f- hanging out the window and holding onto Holly's arm, he's holding onto the watch. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not doing anything revolutionary here. No, but I mean, that's a clever it, detail. The watch finally comes back into play, and John has to then just get the watch off of her hand, which then causes Hans to fall to his death. So Hans is not even like holding on to Holly. He's holding on to the thing he wants the most, which is just Sim- money. Power. Yeah, the symbol of the money. The and power. that watch. Yes, that that watch is that symbolization. And just the fact that that's the last thing. And John pulls both of them back from the abyss. Literally, they're literally on the edge of dying yeah. right there. He's either going to shoot him or pull him down with him. One or the other. And John flicks the watch. You get that nice little like well-known slow-mo just alan rickman falling because i think the 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 thing is that they didn't tell him when they were going to drop him oh yeah that was the thing it was like they they took his reaction is genuine they did multiple takes but they used the one where they they didn't tell him it was going to happen and they got him initially like they said all right we're gonna count to three and then they 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 never counted to three or something like that they just dropped them yeah it's so good but but just a great moment one to have from the beginning you have that watch and then there make it finally comes back in with it at the climax of the movie yeah and i think too i i was gonna say part of like the i mentioned that there's a lot of visual and auditory cues to remind you that this is a this is like the to mm-hmm. amp up that christmas tone it's color timing throughout a large course of the movie both green and red and it's like mm-hmm. it's like it wasn't necessarily lit that way but it was brought out in chemical processes and post to to amp up the highlights to make them a little bit more rouge and the the shadows are just a little bit more green through a lot of like the darker lit scenes. So like we mentioned the the scene where they're in the the one office space with all the glass. I mean that that scene is a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot more throughout the course of the movie, but also that little that little jingle bell tone that's like monotone that ching ching ding. That that just yeah. it constantly just like little bit little reminders that like it's it like combines that tension with like a Christmas tone in interesting ways like that a lot of little things yeah and i'm also gonna go with that mctiernan even said this is a christmas movie yeah i mean and bruce willis had his fact, little joking th- thing at his his roast saying that it wasn't but i think mm-hmm. especially because that was at a roast it was just meant to get a rise out of people yeah 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 fun little fact too i never knew that this was based on a novel i did not know that roderick thorpe yeah it's called nothing lasts forever is the name of the novel Similar, similar structures. Some of the things are different. Coincidentally, also a Hallmark movie. (laughs) More, but not to be confused with its with its sequel. Everything lasts forever, (laughs) or forever is nothing. Also, soon to be come out, and then there's also lasting in everything. Forever is nothing. Sounds like a James Bond movie. Yeah, forever is nothing. <laughs> that does sound like a James. But well, I think this novel that yeah it says based on the novel by Roderick Thorpe in the credits when McLean and Argyle are driving up to Nakatomi, and I just I was like oh shoot like I didn't even catch that until like 
maybe a couple years ago when I was watching it again, I was like, oh, this is based on a novel. Yeah. And I had to go like back through and read it. Just I didn't read the novel. I, I haven't read it yet, but it coincidentally so, or not coincidentally so, but that novel it also takes place in on Christmas. Yeah. So I think they kept the heart of that is there. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And you talk about too, like this. The can we talk about this? How quotable we've? I know we've said it. Oh, but like Some of the one-liners, just the lines yeah, in this. Do- Let's one line um, it up. And I'll start with I'll start with Alan Rickman and his performance. Our, uh, one of the best villains in film history. Yeah. I would say. I'm, I but, miss I Alan mean, Rickman so much. I was, we lost him way too early. Yeah. No, agreed. I love how he just has that calm demeanor to him. He like he knows what he's he knows what he's got to do and he doesn't really care kind of like what he has to do to get it. Yeah. But as in the scene where she says, oh, after all this, Holly says to him, you're nothing but a common thief. And he gets a little angry. He says, I'm an exceptional thief. Yeah. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, I would be more, I would, what does he say? Like, since I'm moving up to kidnapping, I would be more kind. I'm butchering the line now. Yeah. I forget exactly how he says it. But little things like that. I also like how he talks about when they, the scene with the models in the beginning. And he's like, oh, I always loved building models as a kid. The exact attention to detail. So he's a guy who likes those things. Another, once again, character. Yeah. Building that character, we're getting to know this guy. He even says the line, too, when he says, and Alexander wept because, at the breath of his empire, Alexander wept because there were no more worlds to conquer. Once again, reiterating that theme of power and wealth. And also insanely sort of inflamed ego. Yeah, going up against family, too. I think that's one of the huge hallmarks, no pun intended, of a Christmas movie, a Christmas story. I mean, you look at Christmas Carol, you have Ebenezer Scrooge, this man with so much wealth, he's all about work, power, work, 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 but he has no family, like, and that's kind of what happens there. The Hallmark movies, how many times is it the main protagonist, she's a successful businesswoman or some sort, work, 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 I, I'm good at this, I'm good at that. Okay, great. That's not what Christmas is about, though. Even though in the real world, it kind of is, it has become that, it's a very commercial thing yeah that i think is one of the key aspects that makes this a christmas story but yeah i love i love to the line with the first guy that mclean takes down and he said he puts the gun next to him and he's like freeze police yeah he's like you won't hurt me he's there like, are no. rules you know, for you're, policeman. A poli- you're a policeman there are rules for policemen he's like yeah that's what my captain keeps telling me <laughs> yeah <laughs> or, or, or the one you i know one of your favorites Go ahead. What? Give me one of yours. So many. Like, what, what were you sp- thinking of specifically? When he goes up onto the roof and he's calling nine one one. No, no, no f- lady. You think I'm ordering a pizza? You think pizza? <laughs> Whoever this is, this line is reserved for emergencies only. <laughs> he just says it. No lady. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> and then the, the when the gunfire goes off and they still don't, they still like are unconvinced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kills me every time. Like clearly something is off here. Just send a car out. <laughs> like yeah. See if yeah, you can no, get somebody to do a like, to do a pass by. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a great moment, too, because he's trying to just, okay, I just got to do what any of us would do. He's like, okay, I, I need the police. We need the police here now. We need we need help. Yeah. And like, there's but that Christmassy, the Christmassy vibe, they're just, they're not, they're not on it. Yeah. And, and that's another thing reiterated. Oh, it's, it's Christmas Eve. I can't. When like the FBI wants the power shut down. Yeah. Says, we can't turn out like the block. It's, it's Well, also right that's Christmas. what Gruber is relying do. on. That's like the whole key to his plan is that they'll shut that off for him. <laughs> like. Yeah. And another thing to make sure that you're rooting for John and not necessarily the inept or rather careless FBI and like LAPD officers is when the FBI guys are going up in the chopper and they're like, I think we kill 
what does he say exactly? So he will kill. We we kill the terrorists, lose about fifty percent of the hostages. Yeah, and the other guy's like, oh, I can live with that. Yeah, just total assholes. <laughs> yeah, no, that just tells you. And it's really satisfying when their helicopter goes down because you're like, those guys. <laughs> like, yeah, no, exactly. Gonna need some more of those FBI guys. Gonna need some more of those FBI guys. His best line in the movie. Yeah, and and his when you have that relationship with him and John and the other officer who uh, you Al? said his name before. Yes, Al Powell. Yes, thank you. Them talking. Here's John like scurrying his way into the restroom. His foot's he stepped on glass. Glass. Who gives a shit about once glass? Again, glass. <laughs> who the fuck is this? But once again, another payoff, another plant payoff. He doesn't have shoes because when he did that thing that the guy in the plane said, yeah had to take his shoes off and he's at a disadvantage again now yeah the whole like the whole thing like and that's that's i think that that's the core of that is like that his his weakness caused his biggest hardship through this entire ordeal (laughs) like yeah no yeah absolutely it's it's just yeah and that having that relationship being able to communicate with a character on the outside is important yeah and like it's so many so many in in the terms of this being a cop story it leaned into the whole thing that your partner is everything and in this situation he was yeah. lucky enough to have have somebody help him through this ordeal even though maybe in most situations mm-hmm. it wasn't directly but penultimately he al is the reason that he makes it out of this situation because there is that last ditch effort by carl to get him yeah the this the muscle coming back constantly <laughs> like yeah and in lethal weapon it's gary Busey. <laughs> lethal weapon also a christmas also a shane black christmas yeah but that's the story. For oh, I know one moment we for, we're, for, we're forgetting about too. We, oh, yeah? we quoted a lot. Oh, okay, I'm ready for this one. You, you, you come on, you got to know this one now. Not off the top, but I, I hit me with it. It's just like Ellis is like, I can give them to you, Hans, <laughs> Booby. <laughs> I am your white knight. He just looks in that scene like when once he like starts to realize that he's gonna die, he just looks so greasy mm-hmm. and just horrible. Yeah. But even and then you can find there's like a moment there where you kind of feel a little bad for him because you could tell he's still a person, up. but like, you don't once want him to again, die, but here's a character reaching for power and wealth. Yeah. And it kills him. Yeah. Uh, he, he doesn't see far ooh, enough to know. How- I almost said something there, but I stopped myself. <laughs> I'm glad you're, you're staying on top of it. Yeah. One of, one of these days you're going to slip and mm, probably and all the glory will be mine. <laughs> yeah. There's there's nothing this is one of the best Christmas movies, but one of the best stories in movies, period, I think. I, would I think it's even, I looked up before this, I think it is currently number five on like most searched right now on demand at the at the moment. Yeah, that's fair. So as we're recording this. That's, I, I mean, it feels like year to year, it just keeps getting more and more popular around the season. Yeah. Because people are realizing that it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it just keeps giving and giving. It is it is the story that keeps on giving. Especially uh, in terms of its sequels. They just never stop. No, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but also in in terms of we were talking a little bit about movies that have copied or homaged the Die Hard. Another of my favorites is Speed. Yes, which I've heard it was pitched as this is Die Hard on a bus. Yeah. And I mean, like you the whole opening sequence of Speed is like a Die Hard tease that make you think it's gonna be like a diehard situation, mm-hmm. but then it's like, oh, it just moves on from that. So it's almost yeah. like to set the tone and make you think it's going to be that kind of movie, but it's that kind of movie in a completely different scenario and not a Christmas movie at all. 
No, and it's not a Christmas movie. And I think that's where I think that's where one of the reasons, as much as I love Speed, and that's there's another one we quote a lot. I didn't mean to shoot the guy. I, I didn't mean to shoot the guy. We're at the airport. I've already, already been seen to the, the airport. airport. <laughs> as much as I love Speed and Keanu Reeves, I think I still have to give the edge to Die Hard oh, being for a sure. superior story. For sure. I, I love Speed. It's a lot of fun, but it is not as well crafted as Christmas. No, just I, is I, what it is. I would that, agree. That's what it is. Yeah, if you have not watched Die Hard yet, and it has not become a Christmas tradition, it doesn't have to become a Christmas tradition, but I I highly suggest that it that that it that it does. That you give it a chance around the season because it's a, oh, not, nothing puts me in the Christmas spirit more than seeing seeing Hans Gruber fall off and knock it to me, knock it me tower. Yes. 100%. And even even Walter Peck, he gets his Holly punches him in the face. Yeah. And what a great Holly too is a is a strong character. Like she's not yes, she's the, being held hostage at gunpoint. The fact that so her not her character is named do, Holly. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that once Takagi is killed, she's now in charge. She's the assistant manager essentially. She has to go one-on-one with Hans. And Hans fancies himself an intellectual in the sense that he's smart and he is. Uh, whereas John can kind of go with him physically, Hans is, I would say, the smarter of the two characters. Intel- Intelligence-wise, I'd have to give the edge to Hans Gruber. But John's not an idiot completely. But Holly and him have that little battle of wits when she first goes into her office asking for a couch for her assistant to sit on. And he, he she does such a, a good job of staying composed and trying to help the people who are in the situation with her that there's that a little bit of respect given by the villain to her because she he, he comes to respect her a little bit in that scene and that's a testament to to the character strength just kind of it's like you were talking about other movies white house down olympus has fallen one in particular which has a funny little place i've never seen it but it's called skyscraper <laughs> and Dwayne the rock johnson is in it and i remember seeing the trailer to it and I was like, oh, this is Die Hard. But I called it to it insultingly. I was like, or Rock Hard, as I would come on, come to say it. <laughs> yes. Because it's ring, Die Hard, but just with the rock. Ring in the Christmas season with the the 2018 classic Dwayne Johnson movie, Rock Hard. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe one day I'll watch that one. But I, I still can't believe you've never seen it. No. Yeah, I have not seen it. So, yeah, definitely, definitely, Def- definitely put Die Hard on your on your, your Christmas watch, watch list. list. Got to see, got to see Hans Gruber go down off of Nakatomi Plaza, and mm-hmm. the the Al Pal gunning down the last of the hench should ring in your Christmas mm-hmm. season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yippee, yippee, kaye, yippee, kaye, mother. <laughs> what was it that you said? <laughs> yippee, kaye, kaye. Well, this time uh, John Ford does not ride off into the sunset <laughs> with Grace Kelly. Oh, it's it's Gary Cooper, ass. Yeah. Or not John Ford, John Wayne. I John, screwed it yeah, up yeah. either. I said John I, Ford. I, as soon as you said John I was, Ford, I was like, "Is that what it was?" That's where my head was. was like, no, no, no. It was John Wayne. I'm looking. I, John Ford and John Wayne. They both work together. I'm digging into the quotes. We gotta we gotta get some one liners going here. <laughs> Finish this out. Yeah. Oh, there's Quote how time. could we have forgotten? Welcome to the party, pal. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. God damn it now. Now <laughs> they're turning my Watch car into Swiss cheese. Now, god damn it. Now <laughs> You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? What kind of ter- <laughs> You will be witnesses. <laughs> Who's driving this car? Stevie Wonder? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was a little more partial to Roy Rogers. <laughs> I picture Baby Han as just like you have your adult head, but like on a baby body. Oh my God. Why would you put that in people's heads? Why would you put that in my head? Because <laughs> it's gold. <laughs> <laughs>